Hey, everybody, this is Charlie Epstein here at Killing Retirement, the podcast that gets you thinking about your thinking in terms of this notion of retirement. And really, this is a show where I'm trying to break that old paradigm about what it means to retire. And we have this notion, I believe, here, at least in America, that you work and then one day, someday you get to this destination. Hopefully you have enough money and you can now retire and do what? I remember my father retired at age 68. He had a very successful career as an executive. And when he retired, I said, Pop, what are you going to do? And of course, golf was the thing that he loved to do, but he'd been doing that before. And I said, Pop, why don't you consult? Why don't you help other entrepreneurs and business people? And he looked at me and said, what do I have to offer? And I always remember that. I was like, Pop, what are you talking about? You built a business, you sold a business, you helped grow one of the largest retail clothing stores in America, casual corner stores. You have a wealth of knowledge and something went off, like the switch went off while I'm retired and that's it. And you know, Webster's definition of retirement is to put out of use. And in my book, Paychecks for Life, my first book, I talk about something that I call desirement planning and this notion that you really want to be looking at and pursuing what are the things that you desire to do, not someday, one day, but today. And how do you build a life that supports you doing the things that you desire that will give you the greatest engagement, enjoyment in your life? So this is what this show is really all about. And today I am so fortunate to be talking to an amazing couple who are entrepreneurs, Eris Creates and Stephen Hinlicka. Stephen, did I say that right? No, you didn't. Good. Correct me. Stephen Hanilica. 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 Right. Perfect. And they call themselves the Backpack Entrepreneurs. And in January of this year, they set out on an amazing journey. They're intending to go around the world, spreading their business knowledge to help other entrepreneurs grow their business. And it's based on their belief that anyone can live a life of freedom if they have the right attitude, tools, and guidance And that's really what Killing Retirement is all about, having the freedom to choose to do what you want to do. And I love this. You both say that you believe freedom equates to what one desires for their own life balance. And that means for the two of you, what your freedom meant. So why don't we start with where you are first and then how you got there? So where are you now? Hey, so this is Eris, and we are coming to you from Toulouse, France. It's a beautiful, smaller city in the southwest segment of France, and we are experiencing some great weather. Beautiful. And so you've chosen to go on this global life quest, living out of backpacks and creating value in other people's lives through this entrepreneurial knowledge and and then sharing that whole experience with the world through your social and media And you also talk about offering mentorship insights and really friendships while building your own global citizenship. How did the two of you get to this place? What happened in your lives that brought you here? Well, my story starts about three years ago now. And I had built a successful marketing agency and I decided that I didn't really like where my life was headed. I wasn't getting a lot of fulfillment, even though I kind of had a life most people think would be the good life, or at least most people in my generation would think was the good life. And I decided that I was going to scale down my business a little bit 
so that I could run it from a laptop and I didn't need a location necessarily. And I decided to walk across the United States raising money for charity along the way because I thought that would be something that was really fulfilling for me. And it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Wow. So you just said something that really struck me is you said you were successful or what most people would say were successful, but you weren't fulfilled. Can you speak more about that? Well, what was happening was I got a lot of things that other people told me I should want. I never really sat down and thought, hey, what do I really want out of life? And some of the things that other people told me I should want are like, you know, a nice car, a big house, lots of parties and friends and all of the vices that you could want in life. But it really made me miserable. What I really wanted was I wanted challenge and I wanted to give back and contribute to the world in some bigger way than I was. And the hardest thing that I find, and I've been in the financial services business for 35 years, working with entrepreneurs and professionals, you know, people that are passionate and focused about their businesses, but making that change, you know, change is so difficult. What was it in you, Stephen, that you were able to overcome the resistance of, gee, I had the good life. I shouldn't be miserable. You know, a lot of people do that, right? They just keep doing what they're doing because they're successful. How did you break out of that kind of bondage? Well, I have a point in my life that I set up generally about every six months where I sit down and I take a day or two and I really think about what's going on in my life. And is it what I really want to have happen in my life? Is it going to get me to the longer term end goals that I've set for myself? And I started doing that at that point. And I started to realize that the goals that I'd set for myself, the life that I thought I'd wanted to live wasn't the life that I'd chosen. It was somebody else's. So I wrote down a big list of everything that I enjoyed doing and picked my top 10 and then tried to figure out how I could do all of that at once. Wow. Let's hold that. I want to come back to that because I'm already going, wow, what was this top 10 and how did you do it all at once? And Aries, bring us up to date on you know your background and how you got to this place. Sure. I have been, I guess, a traveler of sorts, but not anything that epic that Stephen had done. But one of those people who had also kind of just dreamed about one day when everything is right, all the circumstances will fall into place and I will do a world tour. I will go around the world traveling or, you know, I would create the circumstances that would allow that to happen. And it wasn't coming. It just wasn't going to happen without a plan and some goals and a number of different behavioral changes. So when the time came to decide whether this was right, it was like half of the things that I thought would be necessary were in my life and the rest I had to actually work at. One of the things that we pride ourselves on when we share in our podcast is kind of the real and raw stuff that we share about this lifestyle. We're having an absolutely wonderful time, but there's a lot of hard work and there's a lot of personal development that goes into making that kind of a change happen if you are not already there. You have to create the momentum for yourself. And that does require letting go. And that requires looking at things like they really are, not what you might hope them to be. 
And I think I hear what you're saying is this is truly a creative act. You're living moment to moment, not knowing where the journey is going to take you, right? That is a pretty good assessment of how we are taking on this trip because a number of people that do similar things to us that might travel the world and run businesses, they like to settle down and hang out in one place for a while, create longer term relationships, have some more stability. And we're testing ourselves every day to learn how to create systems around doing the simplest things because every day brings new challenges. And we find it to be challenging and unique, but also really rewarding when you finally get through something that you've never done before and it works out really well. Now, you left in January. We're here in April. What has been the most challenging for each of you and together and what surprised you the most so far about yourselves? I would say for me that the most challenging thing has actually been maintaining focus regardless of where I'm at. It was something that I was pretty good at the last couple of years, but with international travel, you have to start picking up new languages, you have to start learning new customs, and your brain really goes on information overload very quickly. So you have to be so much more productive, you have to be so much more focused in order to get the same amount of work done on the road internationally that I would be able to do on the road in the United States where I knew all of the customs and I knew the language. For me, it's been finding a balance between just remembering who I am at my core and what I really stand for and also striving to build and create a brand and be out there in the public eye and create all of the, just the things that we have to work on to build the foundation because Backpack Entrepreneurs is kind of a new brand and it's in the building stage. And with most startups, those are very intensive. So remembering when to stop and enjoy what we're actually here to enjoy is something I have to remind myself of almost daily because I could be a workaholic and I can also sit back and say, well, maybe I need a break and I'll end up just losing out on a great experience because I didn't get out or do something like that. So how do you celebrate the little things? Is there a practice each of you have? I mean, I know every morning for the last 25 years, I wake up and I start my day the same. I do yoga and meditate. And I've been doing that every day for 25 years as a way to connect myself, ground myself, clear my mind and see what's there to avail myself of. You know, yoga is a great thing for opening your, clearing your mind and just being silent. We totally agree. We love what you're doing. Charlie, keep it up. That's exactly one of the things that we would recommend. Everyone has a morning ritual to kind of face the new day. As you go through your day, some days are going to be worse than others. And you kind of have these ups and downs and you feel maybe renewed and then you feel frustrated. And then so you got to balance yourself with that. And meditation is one of the tools we both use. And another thing that we love to do that we've shared with our fans is what we call the gratitude game, because it does a couple of different things for us. And the gratitude game is just thinking of a couple of things every single day and maybe even several times a day that you're super grateful for, that you just realize that if you didn't have it in your life, things would not be so great. And we like to do that all the time. And we remind ourselves that way of the blessings we have in our life. 
And we also get kind of an emotional boost from that. There's actually some science behind that, that you get an emotional boost and it puts your frame of reference back where it should be. So you have perspective. Yeah, it's, it's actually more than an emotional boost. It's powerful endorphin uh, for your brain, right? It definitely is. And one of the things that you speak about in what I read about your travels here is you say that this is an opportunity to not only travel, but to share your gifts and talents worldwide. So how have you been doing that over these last three months? And what are those gifts and talents that are driving you forward, even in the face of what you have to deal with just traveling from country to country, you know, all those obstacles. Yeah, it's actually, as we're traveling, we actually get an enormous amount of opportunity to share with others and help others. For instance, one of the events we went to in London was called the Art Challenge. And what it was, was an arts hackathon. It was entrepreneurs, developers, and artists coming together to figure out business models that could revolutionize the arts industry or certain sections of the arts industry. And Eris and I have very creative business minds. So we were able to come up with solutions to the challenges that we were posed. So for instance, one of the teams that I worked on, we actually developed a business model for a video game that focused on bringing arts into the app realm and allowing people to get more engaged with museums and public art displays, not only to increase the visitation of the museums, but also provide new revenue streams for them. And another thing we like to do, Charlie, is that we discuss a lot in our podcast about the unique business models and solutions that people are finding throughout the world. And when we engage with a new culture and they're doing something amazing, we absolutely love to share it. So we talk about the technology and the unique things people are doing in other ways. Hmm. Have you read Matt Ridley's The Rational Optimist? Can't say that I have. Because I was going to ask each one of you what you're reading now or there's any book that has impacted who you are right now. I'll share with you first why I mentioned Matt Ridley, because Matt Ridley says, and you can Google his TED Talk, his TED Talk is How Ideas Have Sex or Why Ideas Have Sex. I mean, Matt Ridley, R-I-D-L-E-Y. And he says the reason he's a rational optimist is human beings do one thing that no other species on the planet do. Want to take a stab at what it is? Uh, make ideas have sex. <laughs> okay, we know who the comedian in the household is. So this is actually something, so it's like taking an idea and then extrapolating on it and building it further. When I was younger, I used to refer to this as idea smashing, just taking a bunch of ideas and throwing them together and seeing what you can come up with. Yeah, actually, even though that's the title of his TED Talk, it's the reason he says he's a rational optimist is he says human beings do something that no other species do. And that thing is that they trade with perfect strangers. So a giraffe doesn't trade with a gorilla. A gorilla doesn't trade with an orangutan. An orangutan doesn't trade with an antelope. But human beings are the only species on the planet that actually exchange ideas and trade goods and services with perfect strangers. And he goes back into time to try and imagine the first time one man said to another, I'll fish if you hunt. And then exponentially what's happened, and I just 
given the work that you both in your backgrounds and technology and it seems like you're on this path of really connecting with that whole kind of thinking, that rational, optimistic kind of thinking. I'm wondering what you've discovered in your travels about humanity and people's abilities and that kind of thing. So I'm definitely going to have to read that book now. And so far as what we've discovered about people and humanity as a whole, I've found that so long as people aren't desperate for something, people are incredible. They're very loving and giving and generous, and they will go far out of their way to help someone that they don't know. Isn't that amazing? It really is. I've also found that if you can tell a great story, when I was walking across the US, I had an incredible story to tell. And I had so many people help me out. On this journey, we've had a lot of other people help us out as well. And it's just really amazing. Just, I can't say it any other way, like how loving and giving and connected people get. It's one of the things I'm probably most grateful for. Mm. Isn't it amazing when you walk up to a perfect stranger and say, can you help me? How they respond. We actually have an amazing story that just happened to us two nights ago. You know, we were lost in this town and technology doesn't always give you what you need. Google does not have the local metro and buses easily available to map where we needed to get to. So we stopped and approached a table of complete strangers. And I said, look, I'm hoping you can help because we're trying to find out how to get to this place. And we are completely lost. And I said this in French and this other woman was saying, well, okay, do you speak English? And I was like, yes. And she's like, okay, perfect. And she (laughs) goes into this completely, like it must have taken 10 minutes for her to go through this. And she called our host and straightened everything out. And it was amazing. And we found our way to our new home and we couldn't have done it without her help. I mean, it would have just been kind of a mess. And so we were just amazed. And she was a very sweet and kind person. It's amazing. You know, I'm thinking about with this trip, because this is a year that you're traveling, right? That's the initial expectations. It could very well last much longer. Okay. And I'm curious, have you mapped out the majority of the trip or just the beginning and you're going where the spirit takes you? Yeah, I would say it's definitely leaning towards that second um, explanation. We We've kind of a mental map. We've talked about the places we want to go in a general sense. And it usually works that we decide what makes sense a couple weeks in advance. We're looking at where we might want to be because of the weather, the cost, how close we are to places. You know, the safety factors coming in, unfortunately, with a number of things going on in the world. So we look at all of those factors and we say, okay, well, what's our next move? What really makes sense at this moment? And it's really fun and it's kind of scary. Where are you headed next, you know? Barcelona, Spain. Barcelona. Lovely. Gaudi country. Have you been before? Never. Actually, before this, I'd never been outside the United States. Really? Yep. Well, this must be a journey. Amazing, amazing journey for you then. You know, so, so different. So um, I want to come back to this notion of, well, not even come back to it. I was asked you about this notion of impact. Because, you know, it seems like what the two of you are up to is really having a bigger impact in other people's lives than you had before. And part of this journey is about that impact. Tell us a little bit about 
the sense of that for each of you? I think we both really have these big lofty ideas about making change in the world. And we also feel that we are empowered to do that. And with world travel, it just seemed like it made sense logically. I mean, how can you touch people's lives if you never even meet them? Getting around the world or just even making an effort to go someplace that's really far away from where you've been used to, it truly does put you in touch with people you may have never met. For example, we were in Paris last week and through one group of people that I was able to connect with, I met a woman who was not on any other social media. So I never would have just accidentally found her or friended her on Facebook because she's not on Facebook. And it was one of those things that we made an attempt to meet up about three or four times and we finally did it about a day before we left Paris. And we got to chatting about this situation and I was thinking, how funny is that? There's probably millions of people just like her who are not easily accessible until you meet them face to face. And then you start to realize how you can impact their lives directly. It's not through necessarily some sort of remote idea that you're going to touch someone's life in a big way from the internet. Not that that can't be done, but we're learning so much more from having come in contact directly with so many people with different mindsets and different cultures and backgrounds. And the further we go into Europe, the more people are not connected. So that's an interesting kind of observation. And I'll share with Stephen here. You know, I'm struck by that, Aries, because given your technology backgrounds, this must be like an amazing awakening. It's almost like being back in the 60s, right? We didn't have technology in the 70s. How did we all connect? Yeah, I can't equate it firsthand, but it has been kind of a surprising thing to land in a city and not have Google Maps serve you up everything you need to know or, you know, to not know where the local bakery is. You have to ask someone who's local where it is because you can't find it. It's kind of like a foot in both worlds for some reason. And it's unique and interesting. And I don't know if you're doing this when you go from town to town and country to country, but I'll just share this. Every time I travel to a foreign country, the first two things I always do is find the open market and go there to experience, you know, the food and culture of that country immediately and the smells and the senses and watch the activity because that's where life happens. And then the other one is I always ask where the fish come in, you know, especially like if it's Portugal or, you know, if it's a fishing town, what time does the fish come in and be there in the morning? Sometimes it's really early. Sometimes it's later to watch how they bring in the fish and handle all that kind of food and experience. So I just share that with you as something maybe you add to your interesting experiences, because that's where you really get down to the basic of life, what people eat, the foods, and then you see how they interact with each other and the culture, and especially the fishermen, because that whole life out on the boats and coming in and that whole part of the culture is so big. So I just share that with you as something you might want to check out. Stephen, you were going to respond to what Eris said? Yeah. So I agree with what she says. You meet so many more people that you never would have had the opportunity to online. The other thing is that you get introduced to so many new ideas, so many ideas that you never would have had an inkling of otherwise. So I'm struck by this. I'm really fascinated by this. Can I ask you guys each a question of when you started the journey, 
you know, a lot of people start a journey and they have an end in mind, right? Well, I'm going to go backpack across the world because the following things I want to have happen or make happen. Like that's a natural way that I sort of plan things out. I don't know if the, each of you do that. And then life happens. <laughs> that's true. And it changes all of that, doesn't it? So did each one of you sort of have that kind of laid out on, all right, we're going to do this and this will be the result of doing it. So what you were targeting as a result and now what's happened that's maybe, you know, it's almost like, almost like Robert Frost, you know, the path less taken. And perhaps you've actually decided to go back and now you're on a different path. I'm not sure we would say a different path, but I think we have some different thinking around some of the things we tried to do initially. We had thought that a week or a couple days in one place was plenty for us to really get a feel for it. So we might as well move fast. And then we started to really feel the chaos that it caused to uproot ourselves that often and to not really have clear-cut time that we could relax, a clear-cut time that we could work and also enjoy the city. And so we really started to rethink how we plan and how long we should stay in places and just when would be the most efficient and affordable ways to travel. And some of those patterns have emerged and we now have different ways of doing things even a couple months in. Yeah, I'll I'll just, go ahead, Steve. I'd also like to say a little something about how I personally tend to set goals. Sometimes I will have an end in mind, so to speak. But a lot of the times I have something that I want to do and I will keep doing that until I no longer want to. Mm. That kind of gets back to the whole concept of desirements, doesn't it? Yeah, I like the word desirements. That's great because I was just kind of adding to that. I wanted to share that really we don't make plans. We tend to operate on principles and it really works so much better than kind of creating plans. There's an old saying about the best laid plans, you know, and they always seem to go wrong. So man's folly is thinking that things are going to be the way they expect them to be. And we're trying to overcome that. So we work on principles. So a lot of it is really about, hey, I want to travel the world or I want to go to a certain place and here's why. But ultimately, whatever happens, the end goal is personal development. The end goal is changing people's lives. The end goal is something that seems to be a little more ethereal for some people, maybe an even uncomfortable area. But to us, it's perfectly reasonable and makes complete sense. And can I ask what the set of guiding principles you're following right now? And it might be what you just said. One principle is doing what I want to do until I don't want to in the personal development. One of the principles that I decided to operate my life by uh, about three years ago when I began my walk across the United States was I was going to run towards anything that was terrifying because I found I grew the most when things were scary, when I was pushing myself to be uncomfortable. And chasing that challenge and chasing that fear is really one of the principles that I have. It's one of the things that drives a lot of my actions. Also, connecting with different communities and trying to try new things and trying something from the different culture, we tend to decide to go to a place for a specific reason. So we had certain things we wanted to do and experience when we went to Paris. 
there was a specific experience that we were looking for when we went to Bath or Penzance or Cardiff. So we were really chasing down different experiences and different ways of living. You know, just listening to that last part that you just shared, chasing different experiences, different ways of living, I'm just struck by how many people go through life 60, 70, 80 years and never experience anything different or a different way of living. Isn't that amazing? And here you are in a short period of time just pursuing that with great passion, fear, and enthusiasm. Yeah, if we had our way, we would implement a law in the United States, at least, that there would be a required gap year for every young person to experience the world and to give everyone this kind of global citizen perspective. It would make the world so much more. I so love that when my daughter, who's 20, was traveling around the country looking at colleges, her and I, I remember flying home from, had done the whole East Coast, I don't remember how many schools, and we're flying into Bradley International Airport, the airport near where I am, and I remember looking out the window, and I turned to my daughter, and I said, I'd come back from the school, and the tuition was like $60,000 a year. It was American University outside of D.C., But there was a girl that wanted to get it done in three years that was with her mother and kept asking, you know, can I do it in three years? So as we were landing, I said to my daughter, we take the 30,000, I give you half 15 to travel with, the other 15, go work for a charity. That's what I told her. I said, go find a charity that you're passionate and moved by. Walk into the head of the charity and say, I'd like to work for your organization. And at the end of the six months, if I'm still passionate about what you do, I'll write you a check for $15,000. That's what I said to her. So she makes a difference. Then she goes travel around the world. And then she comes back and goes to school. And like you just said, Eris, she'd be a different person, right? Wow, Charlie, that is absolutely amazing. Did she take you up on it? No. (laughs) Damn. Her brother, who's six years younger, (laughs) said, when do I start... (laughs) 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 that's what it was i had to remember what i actually said to her and it was half the tuition half of that money you go work for a charity of your choice at the end if you're still passionate about the charity you say here you earn the money can you imagine somebody walking into your charitable organization and say i've got fifteen thousand or thirty thousand and i'll make that donation provided i see impact value in the work that you're doing after i've worked here for six months What I really love about that, Charlie, is like the twist on the old hat kind of thing. And it really does something different for me. And the other thing that really struck me was the fact that, you know, you're handing over money at the end if it's something that really does well. If you spend six months in an organization, you would expect to see the insides and outworkings of that organization to the core. You would know, hopefully, that they stood for something. And we noticed this when we traveled through the U.K., And a lot of the things going on in the United States are similar, but these charitable organizations are unfortunately not necessarily doing what they promised to do. So I like that. I really do. They get distracted. And, you know, I also love the thing that you said about, you know, traveling for a year. And I actually think in this country, it should be like Israel. We actually every year take in a a young Israeli ambassador who's graduated high school. They come over to this country and they're an ambassador 
work in the community for a year. So we have a young woman living with us now, Nama. And, you know, she's up at six in the morning. She's out at seven. She's working with all these organizations, Jewish and non-Jewish. But she's putting a face on her country in, here in America so people can actually see the humanity of people from there. But, you know, when she goes back, it's mandatory. A female does two years in the service in the Army and men do three years. And I always thought in this country, when a kid graduates from high school, it'd be mandatory that they have to go, and I know you're saying travel around the world, but mandatory that they have to go work in another community in the United States for a year and make an impact. Then you get to go to school. Yeah, these are all really great social ideas. Yeah. I do like them. They, yeah. they do. It tends to change wow. the person from the inside out. So where are you headed next? Next, we're headed to Spain. We're going to be hitting up right. Barcelona. Barcelona. We have a friend of a friend who's currently living... Mm-hmm. In Valencia? Yep. Great so, race town. They do the Grand Prix there. Oh, they do the Grand Prix there. Okay. Yeah, they did when I was there. It's pretty cool through the city. Nice. Yeah. So then we're also looking at Madrid and then Portugal after that. Uh, okay. So Portugal, just make sure you... When I tried to find out when the fish came in, we thought it was three in the morning. And it wasn't. It was in the afternoon. So... <laughs> I had a group of guys at three in the morning at the fish market. Nothing was coming in. (laughs) Do you speak any Spanish or Portuguese? No. (laughs) That's probably what happened. You got at least one word in. Yeah, fish. Fish, fish. Oh, I fish, I fish. I love that. Well, this has been just fantastic and amazing. How do our listeners connect with the two of you on this journey? Where do they go? How do they stay connected? That is an excellent question. We have backpackentrepreneurs.com where we put our podcast, a number of resources, and a growing list of information for people who are interested. We are also on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn under the same name, Backpack Entrepreneurs. Fantastic. Eris, Stephen, just thanks so much. I mean, it's inspiring what you're doing and Stephen, I love what you talk about. Go where it's terrifying. Run into the fire. It won't burn you. It's fantastic. So thank you so much for sharing, for being present, for being open to the world around you and really being a laboratory for learning and discovering. And I also love the fact that you're discovering the world that's not connected. And I just know because of the expertise of the two of you have that there's going to be, I think, what you're going to do is take those experiences of where people aren't connected and then figure out a way to make the magic happen with the connected world. And I think that's going to be amazing. So thank, thank you. Charlie. Yeah. It's thank you. Awesome. I look forward to following your journey and learning more about how you're living day to day and just being really present and bold about what you're doing. It's been a great conversation. And I thank you for sharing this information with our listeners And I want to just tell our listeners, remember, you can go to our webpage. It's killingretirement.com. You can click on the RSS feed to get our Killing Retirement podcast delivered to you each month. And again, you can reach Eris and Stephen at their site, backpackentrepreneurs.com. Tap into their podcast as well. And you can reach me at cdepstein at the401kcoach.com. I'm Charlie Epstein, and I'm the man in America killing retirement and your notions about it. Thanks everybody. Thanks Sarah, Stephen. Safe travels, Godspeed, enjoy the journey. 